We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. I'm Derek Van Riper, filling in for Jake Barefoot, Blue Jean Knight Litarski, joined today by Chris Benzine. You can find Chris on Twitter at Crispy, like, you know, the way you want chicken, probably, 272002 at the end of that. It is not Crispy8675309. I thought it was that for a long time. Uh, but no, it's two seven two zero zero two. And is there any sort of meaning behind those numbers, or is that just a randomly generated thing that became a default for you? Uh, initially, there was a uh, meaning behind them, but it got thrown out of proportion when it got, it got a lot longer numbers in there just by suggestion. So it, it happened to get that way. But uh, no, initially it did have a meaning a little bit, but uh, nothing at this point, really. Scholars maintain the meaning was lost long, long ago. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. Uh, our Rotowire wiffle ball outing is fast approaching. It's a week from this coming Sunday, so a little less than two weeks away. And I think the people out there want to know, Whose batting stance do you try to emulate when you step into the box? I mean, recently I have done my own, but in the past, as a kid growing up, you had you had the good old left-handed Barry Bonds. I had to do that one. And I was always a big fan of, as a kid just doing the Craig Council. That was always fun. As I mean, he was back at that time he was running with the Diamondbacks, I believe. So that was when he was like winning that World Series. And I was a I was a big fan of his and that was one of the big ones I did. It's kind of unorthodox, and it was fun to do, and I've been told in the past at one point it was cl- I was close to having that batting stance, not as high, not holding it as high as Craig Council, but I used to hold it up pretty high when I was batting myself. So I guess that's a decent comparison of what I would 
what I would do. Yeah, I've got a, a right-handed David Justice type swing, I think, is, is what we're looking at there. I mean, before he was old man Justice, as uh, referred to in Moneyball, when he was still somewhat useful at the plate. But we're back to a full slate on this Tuesday. We'll dive in first with our cash game pitching options. Certainly guys you could use in a tournament as well, because as we will talk about, the bottom end of this slate doesn't feature a lot of high upside guys. So you may want to go top tier or rate right below the top tier as you pay up. We'll run through them here real quick. You got Steven Strasburg on the road against the Marlins. Carlos Carrasco's home against Seattle. Vince Velasquez in a home start against the Mets coming off of his huge performance last week, the 16 Ks against San Diego. We got Francisco Liriano coming off of a hamstring injury going on the road to Petco against the putrid San Diego offense. Marcus Stroman goes on the road to Baltimore, and Drew Smiley is in Boston. Jaime Garcia, I think, belongs in the top tier as well, because last time we saw Vince Velasquez, we also saw Jaime Garcia, and he absolutely owned the Brewers uh, with a complete game, one-hit shutout. He goes on the road to face the Cubs, though, so that could be a pretty difficult spot for Garcia. I don't think Julio Tehran counts as a top-tier guy anymore. Some people might say, where's Julio Tehran? Well, technically, if you care about him as a top-tier guy, he is home against the Dodgers, probably not going to go down that road. I think for me, the question is, what's the price going to be on Strasburg? If it's 10-5 or lower, I feel pretty confident there. But if they push him up to 11,000 or more, I might be tempted to go ahead and, and go after one of Liriano, Velasquez, or Carrasco. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at Strasburg, you definitely have that strikeout potential there. you got a nice ballpark, probably decent matchup and everything. And He's a guy that you definitely want to target if it's at the right price. But if he gets overpriced, there's always a chance with him that is a little volatile. So there's always a chance you could go um, go down a little cheaper. And if I'm looking at the guys I like, the one I'm targeting is uh, is Francisco Liriano uh, going against the Padres. There, it's in San Diego. You have Colin Ray as the matchup, uh, the opposing pitcher there. Um, the Padres have lost six of their last seven games and have topped three runs just four times in the 13 games this season. Uh, he's, he's generally a good, uh, safe pitcher to go with and with high strikeout potential. And the Padres have struck out a lot this season. That they have a 25.8% strikeout rate overall and 22% against lefties. And Liriano is probably the best southpaw outside of Kershaw that they've seen this season. And Kershaw, when he faced them the first time of the season, went seven innings, just one hit and one walk with nine strikeouts. So he's got a nice pitcher's ballpark there, good matchup and a good win potential. And that's something you really want to look for when you're doing a cash game. Yeah, and I think the the appeal of of going Strasburg over Liriano again is going to hinge on the price. Price has been over 11000 in those first two starts for Strasburg, so I'd be surprised if it dipped down for a matchup against Miami. I agree with you on Liriano probably being the best play on the board. I'm not worried about the hamstring being a major problem for him. Uh, I think if you, you want to throw him out there, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, some people might look and say, well, some of the best Padres hitters are right-handed, and that's that's true. I mean, Matt Kemp and, and Derek Norris and, and Will Myers, the heart of the order, is predominantly right-handed, but it shouldn't make that much of a difference. Liriano's splits are not overwhelmingly different. I mean, he's one of those guys, he doesn't carve up lefties quite the way you'd expect him to. He's actually pretty effective against righties. I, I think this is going to be just fine if you want to go with Francisco Liriano. The question with Vince Velasquez in this start really is, what do you think of the Mets offense? I mean, the Mets offense has underachieved to this point. They've made a few adjustments, including bumping Michael Conforto up to that number three spot in the order. You think about last season, you know, after they made that deal for Cespedes from August on, their weighted on base average was among the best in baseball from that point forward. I thought that was the offense they'd be 
in 2016, and I think it's still possible. At the very least, I think they could be an average offense league-wide as opposed to like a bottom five or a bottom 10 unit, which they have been to this point. That being said, even if the Mets offense were firing on all cylinders right now, Velasquez looks like one of this year's breakout arms, and I think there's a strong case to be made for going after this Mets lineup, even though they do have some firepower. Yeah, I mean, the one downside is you're fit, and you are facing the Mets, so it's not a great – I mean, it's a good matchup there, but you're also in Philadelphia, and that's a little less of a pitcher's ballpark there, unfortunately. And the Mets have recently turned it around a little bit. They have – in the series against Cleveland, they put up six – five and six again so they have they have turned it around a little bit and showing a little bit uh extra that you hadn't seen but like you were saying Velasquez I mean last time just carving up batters left and right and he's he could be that breakout arm so it's a it's probably a little more of a chancy play but again he'll probably be a little lower priced than the other ones possibly one I don't think the one outing is going to bump him up like among the top top of the prices probably so if you're looking to save a little bit beyond the Strasburg and possibly Liriano, I would assume too, then he might be a good option to go with if you're looking around there. So I don't know if this is going to hold up for the actual games on Tuesday. We record at the day before. It's, it's Monday afternoon, Monday evening, so the games for Tuesday are not available yet. Sorry to show you behind the curtain if you thought this was being recorded like Tuesday afternoon for Tuesday's games, but it doesn't quite work out that way. Timing-wise, if you look at FanDuel and you uncheck the box, that says only show probable pitchers. You can see the prices on everybody. I just don't know if those will actually be the prices for tomorrow. I think there's a good chance they would be if that holds up. Strasburg's 11-3 as one example. Uh, Liriano, uh, not listed yet. I'm, I'm guessing he gets thrown into the pool overnight. I guess part of the reason he wouldn't be in there is because he was hurt recently. So that's probably why he's not there. But Vince Velasquez is an even 9000 If you look at his price from the last couple times out, he was 6400 in his season debut, 7400 for the game with the 16 strikeouts. So the jump to 9000 probably makes sense for him price-wise, and if that's what it ends up being, I'm actually okay with him at that price in cash games. I think that's very, very fair. So just something to keep in mind there if you are, are looking, trying to get some numbers out there ahead of time. Marcus Stroman at Baltimore. I, I like Marcus Stroman a lot, and he has to deal with being in a hitter-friendly environment at Rogers Center for his home starts. But this, to me, is more about Baltimore's offense being able to mash against just about anybody. I really don't see a strong case for going after Stroman on Tuesday. No, I mean, you look at Baltimore, you look at their pitching staff is really an issue, and the hitting is really what carried them to that hot start off the bat. And they they picked up Mark Trumbo, and they have really been turned on recently. Adam Jones has even been out of the lineup. He's now back in. He finally hit a home run. It, that that lineup is probably one of the most dangerous in baseball right now, and it's even with the arm of Marcus Stroman, it's still a difficult option to go with if you're paying a lot for him. You're probably going to have to pay up uh, just over nine thousand. Looks like maybe ninety one hundred could be the price on Jaime Garcia and right in line with where he was his first two times out at eighty nine and eighty six hundred respectively. I think he's a consideration, but probably the next notch down from the likes of Strasburg and Velasquez and Lariano at this point. Julio Tehran. I mean, who is this guy? I've got him in a couple season-long leagues, and I'm, I'm nervous about it right now. I thought there was a pretty good buying opportunity because his season-long ADP was like 100 spots, if not more, below where he was being drafted a season ago. And so far, it's kind of been more of the same what we saw in 2015, a lot of inconsistency, as opposed to the breakout guy we saw over the course of 2013 and 2014. Yeah, and I would assume and part of the downfall is probably the fact that you were looking at 
you were the, the ADP dropping is partially because the Braves offense was considered so bad. So there was little like wind, uh, wind potential there for him. So that was probably part of that. And unfortunately I had, a, uh, at a league where my friend and I were down to between him and Jose Quintana. And I was pushing for Quintana, but he wanted, he's a Braves fan. And of course that ended up winning. And unfortunately we're stuck here, but uh, I mean, he does have better stuff than he's shown thus far. He's not going to – I don't think he'll stay that bad throughout the season. But um, against the Dodgers lineup, it, it's still – there's nothing too promising going on this start. But I think eventually he should be able to turn around. But it's not something I would necessarily target uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's – it's something to watch closely if the price starts to fall. Maybe you can take advantage of it because in a DFS context, you can see – is the bullpen rested? If the bullpen's rested, it's not as weak for Atlanta. You know, if Rodas Vizcaino is going to be available, if Jason Grilly is available for a day that Tehran starts, you feel a little better about the eighth and ninth inning at least, even though the bullpen as a whole isn't great. But the walk rate is up early on through three starts, just as it was a season ago for Julio Tehran, and he's having the same gopheritis problems that really plagued him last season as well. I guess the only silver lining, we're seeing a slight uptick in ground balls early on. We'll see if that actually holds up. Uh, taking a look here, you, you mentioned Francisco Liriano as your favorite play. Is there anything else as far as your general cash game strategy goes for Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, one thing I like to do generally is you want to go for a big pitcher, you want to go for a pitcher you think you have a big outing because that's that's a I think is a key cog as part of the uh, of the lineup especially in cash games because like you look at Jake Arrieta on Saturday he put up sixty points so if you're doing that it's 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 a spot where you want to make sure you have a good pitcher because if you have a bad outing from the pitcher there's such a a difference in the amount of points you can get that the upside for pitchers you can like as I said with um, with Jake Arrieta he ended up with sixty points. Uh, for a hitter to get that total would take astronomical numbers on any given day. So, I mean, obviously the price is higher, so you're paying more for them anyway, but I think it's worth paying up for the most part in cash games unless there's a, a mid-option that sticks out, it, like, it sticks out like a sore thumb, and I don't think there's that really on Tuesday. So in this scenario, I think you got to pay up and go for one of those top guys and go for the safer option. It feels like in a typical year, the grossly underpriced pitchers you could consider for a cash game, they dry up after the first week or so. Like everybody figures out, okay, Vincent Velasquez should be priced at 8,500 or 9,000 instead of in the $6,500 range or whatever it might be. Those guys all kind of get bumped up after their first or second start. So short of some pitchers maybe coming up and making their debut, I think you're, you're right. You're generally going to spend up in cash on your starting pitchers. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how much Chris and I love daily fantasy baseball and would love talking to you about it. We always want to deliver great content to our listeners, and the best way to do it is to learn more about you. In order to do that, we've created a survey that's quick and anonymous, and you'll have a chance to win a Google Chromecast just for helping us out. Visit mylistenerstudy.com and tell us all about yourself. That's mylistenerstudy.com. We'll learn more about you, and you'll get a chance to win a Chromecast Seems like a win-win situation to me. Visit mylistenerstudy.com. Thank you to those who've already taken a few minutes to knock out that survey for us. Let's move on to some hitter strategy implications. When we start looking at our cash lineups, how do you feel about using Colorado hitters outside of Coors in this particular series? You get the Reds. It's a hitter-friendly environment at Great American Ballpark. The Reds pitching staff, you you look past Iglesias and Finnegan, no one in the middle or back of that rotation that you worry much about right now. I think the bullpen is vulnerable as well. 
I mean, do you do you like going after Colorado hitters, even though you are still paying a Coors tax for the most part for guys, at least at the top? Like Arenado didn't come down that much in price. Do you try to mix and match and find Gerardo Parra, for example, who had to lead off on Monday because of LeMahieu's injury? Do you go after players like that when they're in a hitter-friendly environment outside of Coors? I feel like you don't you don't uh, necessarily drop them just because of that. You do you do have to pay that tax, but I feel like they do price it down possibly a little bit based on the fact that they're on the road and not at home. They don't price it down as as much as some of the other places. But when you're looking at um, when you're when you're looking at the Rockies, there's hitters that some of their hitters obviously their splits are better at home, but some of their hitters can just plain hit. And when you want that, I think you can still afford to put some of them in your lineup, even if it's on the road. And like you said, they're not. There's not a lot of great arms outside of the top of that rotation there. And and Tuesday, Alfredo Simone's on deck, so he's not really one that you that scares you necessarily. So if I'm if I'm looking at uh, if I'm looking at Rockies, I'm not going to be scared away from it just because the price tag's up and they're on the road. So that that's still a lineup that I would be willing to target, even though. It's not at Coors Field, which is probably which is pretty much guaranteed the most hitter friendly ballpark in baseball. Yeah, by still by a pretty decent margin too. Now I look at Derek Holland with the matchup against the Astros. I think about the Astros having a lot of quality right handed bats up and down that lineup. Maybe it's not a full stack situation because I think Derek Holland is at least a quality like mid rotation type arm. At the same time, I don't even know if I can settle on one guy. So maybe it's Evan Gaddis because he gets bumped over to catcher on FanDuel, which is awesome. It's a good way to save money behind the plate and to get a platoon matchup that you really like. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Evan Gaddis. He was 2400 on Sunday, so that's a it's a price tag. He's had a slow start to the season. So he hasn't he hasn't he's under 200 uh so far this season. He hasn't hit a home run yet. He obviously was out for a while. So he doesn't have a big sample size, but with that, the low price tag, you could probably take advantage of that. It's still a nice ballpark there. Derek Holland has a little issue with the home run. And uh, I think Gaddis, I mean, this is probably the time to get on him when he's cheap. So I think if you're going to go for him, now is the time to do so. I know among the hitters that you like for the Tuesday slate, Jose Altuve is up there. Do you go after him? pretty much cash GPP regardless? Can you afford him in all your lineups, or is he someone you have to be a little bit careful with because you are going to pay a premium to build around him at second base? I mean, yeah, that's generally second base isn't a position is regarded to pay up for all the time, but with Altuve, it's it's pretty evident he's a, I mean, he's an all-around player. He, he has uh, enough power to be worth it. He's, among, he's tied for eighth right now in home runs. He has four so far. He's been crushing the ball so far this season. And you add into that the fact that he already has six stolen bases, and that's a very highly valuable fantasy prospect. Obviously, you're going to have to pay up for it, but he does have a very good history against Derek Holland. He has a 1.058. OPS 1,058 OPS and 21 at bats with a home run and four extra base hits. And Derek Holland is seven and 11 with a 4.89 ERA in uh, 26 career starts with six plus days of rest, which is going to be the case on Tuesday because the rain got uh, bumped back his start a day. So that or bumped back start actually two days. So that actually ends up uh, history seems to be on Jose Altuve's side. Or the Astros hitters in general, like we mentioned, Evan Gaddis. So, and L two, like you're saying, you might have to build around him. It might be a one that if you're going to take him, you might have to go with a cheaper pitcher, possibly because you're paying up so much at second base. But um, it's not something that it necessarily scares away from this. Maybe a little more of a GPP because you're going if you go for a cheaper pitcher. But um, 
I, I wouldn't be afraid of him in, in some cash games either if you can afford to fit him in your lineup. Any other hitters that are kind of standing out to you as you start looking ahead to the Tuesday slate? Yeah, uh, Zach Cozart, he was 2900 on Monday. He's going against Jorge De La Rosa. He's he's a cheap option. Um, he's a cheap option going right, and he's atop of the order for them right now. He's been he's been picking up where he left off last season. Cozart is hitting, I believe, nearly 500 so far this season. He doesn't have a ton of power, but he he gets on base plenty and he gets it on in front of base uh, in front of some good hitters. Top of that order, so in in Jorge De La Rosa is not a pitcher that really scares me at all. So he's got an eight game hitting streak going into Monday's action, and he has a he's got a three straight multi hit games right now for Cozart. So he's the price hasn't really risen to the point of where he's playing right now, and it, it's time to I think another middle infield spot there, cheap middle infield spot. You can take advantage of that right now. Is probably a good time to do so. Yeah, kind of an interesting play getting the righty lefty platoon advantage going up against uh, Jorge De La Rosa on Tuesday. What do you think about Michael Saunders? I mean, he was 2,900 on Monday as well, early game against Boston, so he had to play the full slate to even get that in. Uh, but getting a chance to lead off right now for Toronto and maybe hovering right around that $3,000 price tag again. Yeah, I mean, he's he's replacing Kevin Pillar atop of that order for the Blue Jays, and uh, he's had two straight days there. He's hitting ahead of both Josh Donaldson and Jose Bautista, which should benefit him. He should see some good pitches with those big bats behind him there. He's going against Mike Wright, who last time out allowed a home run to the left-handed David Ortiz. Obviously, Saunders doesn't have the power of Ortiz, but he still has a nice ballpark and situation to produce in Baltimore. So if that's another guy atop the order, like I mentioned, that I'm targeting on uh, on Tuesday there, I feel like that's a good option to go with. I'm with you. I think Saunders getting that chance to have those big bats behind him does bode really well. I haven't seen him priced up above 3100 yet this season, so can't imagine we'd see more than a few hundred dollar increase over his Monday price, which again, 2900 really wasn't that bad if you were playing the full slate on Monday. Uh, let's move on to some over-under potential. I mean, it really, we're just thinking about the pitching matchups as a whole. You, you have Matt Shoemaker and Matt Latos at the cell. It's going to be among the bigger numbers we see on the board. You got Boston hosting the Rays with with Joe Kelly on the mound, so I think you're going to see at least an over-under of eight in that game. Uh, you got the Rangers hosting the Astros with Scott Feldman going up against Derek Holland. That should also be among the bigger numbers on the board. And then we mentioned this in passing earlier, the Rockies and Reds at the Great American Ballpark, Jorge De La Rosa and Alfredo Simone. That seems like a, a great source of some runs scored as well. One more game maybe to throw in there, of course, Jays-Orioles in Baltimore. And even Oakland going on the road to the Bronx to face the Yankees. Michael Pineda has the ball for the Yankees. Eric Surkamp out there for the A's. That could be a reasonably high-scoring game as well. So there should be plenty of offense on Tuesday with a lot of back-end starters going, but also with some of those back-end starters having to throw in very difficult environments. MLB season is here, and that means daily fantasy baseball is back. Go to FanDuel.com to play now. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stand at the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1. Anybody 
can play. Join over 1 million other users who have already won money. It's never too late to join. Come play with us every day over at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the promo code RWPOD and sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $25 deposit. Be sure to use the promo code RWPOD. All right, Chris, we're going to take a look at some tournament strategy here, looking first at the pitchers, which to me is a matter of choosing the bad offenses and deciding which ones you really believe in as being bad in this particular matchup. Let's start with Alex Wood getting a revenge game against the Braves in Atlanta. The Braves have the worst weighted on base average in the league right now at 262. Is Alex Wood a viable streaming option or a viable option you'd throw in as a cheap maybe punt play or GPP guy at at that starting pitcher spot? Yeah, I think the key for him is definitely going deep into that game because he doesn't have an an extremely high strikeout rate, so you're not going to have a big upside there with that. And the Braves also are among the lowest in strikeout rate this season. So when you have those two combined, combined, it doesn't exactly seem like it'd be a great matchup. But if he has he has a good chance to get a win, possibly. He has a good uh, offense behind him. Julio Tehran, like we were mentioning before, hasn't been great so far this season. So if you're looking for a guy, he could be one that at least could go deep into the game and he could have a good chance at a win. So while he may not have that uh, high strikeout potential, they're not necessarily high strikeout potential. He, may, he should get a few, um, but uh, he's got a good chance at getting a win and potentially going deep into the game, which are also beneficial in daily formats. I really want to see him lower in price than he was last time out, even 7,200, and he pitched pretty well, so he might not go down all that much. So I may stay away from Alex Wood in this one because he did mention the K rate has been down going back to last season. Kind of want to see that tick back up again before I make him a cheap tournament option or a cheaper tournament option at that kind of mid-tier price range. The Padres are 29th right now in Team Woba. The A's are 28th. They'll have to pay up a little bit to get Liriano or Pineda. So maybe Pineda is a, a mid-tier consideration, but thinking more about the Flyers, Matt Shoemaker going up against the White Sox. I am terrified of Matt Shoemaker, especially when you take him out of Anaheim. I mean, that's a more pitcher-friendly environment. You put him in the cell, it seems like that's the kind of place where Shoemaker will get absolutely lit up. Yeah, I mean, the the White Sox have some good bats in that order. They haven't exactly produced up to snuff so far, but they have a really good uh, middle of that order, and having Adam Eaton atop that too, there's some... There's I just there's nothing with Matt Shoemaker that makes me trust him enough to go with him, especially even in tournament plays. It's it's obviously one where you're gonna gotta be risky, but he's not the one, he's not one of the guys I'd be risky with. Logan Verrett goes on the road to face Philadelphia. We talked about Vince Velasquez. That's a tough opposing pitcher to go up against, but the Phillies offense is bad enough where you don't feel that bad about Verrett going at least five and really avoiding significant damage. Do you think he's one of the better options at the bottom of the table? Yeah, from what I've seen, he has a, a smaller sample size, obviously, but he has a, had a decent strikeout rate and success as a starter. And uh, he's going against a relatively bad lineup. But obviously the, the downfall, like you were saying, is the fact that he goes up against Vince Velasquez. You have to trust that the Mets will score some runs to give him some support there. So if you can do that... Uh, he might be one of the better options down there if you're looking at the at the lower price range and going for a tournament win there. I think he's a he's a guy you might want to target. Joe Kelly going up against the Rays. I don't trust Joe Kelly ever. I want the Red Sox to make him a reliever. What do you think about Kelly against a mediocre Rays offense? 
I mean, the, there's nothing with Joe Kelly, like you were mentioning, there's nothing I really like about him. He, I mean, he's, I don't know. There's not, there's, <laughs> non, just, there's not much to say about him, but I just, like you, as you mentioned, there's nothing I can really, uh, there's nothing really about Joe Kelly that excites me. There's nothing that I really would to target him in, uh, in the tournament format make him a bullpen arm for me and then i can get excited in season long but in dfs there's nothing there for me with joe kelly matt latos home with the white Sox against the angels on the other side of that matchup against hector santiago i mean matt latos entered the joe kelly portion of his career where i don't really look to him as a source of value the the velo still not great i just i see really nothing but downside throwing latos out there yeah i mean i Latos has had a couple of good starts this season, so there, there's something to suggest he's doing better. But um, there's nothing. He's at the point in his career, like you mentioned, he's he's past. He's not past his prime necessarily, but he didn't really had a prime. So there's nothing really to suggest. Um, early on in his career, he had some good, a couple of good seasons in there, but he's really gone downhill since then. And in in the cell is not necessarily the most pitcher friendly ballpark there. So uh, of of the pitchers there, th- like you said, I, there's nothing with uh, Matt Latos either on that side of the ball. Obviously, the Angels haven't been spectacular so far this season, So, but you still have some bats in that lineup in the middle of that order with Mike Trout, obviously, Albert Poole still can hit, and then uh, Cole Calhoun. you got a few guys there that are decent, that, and obviously Mike Trout is above decent. Um, so there's still some scariness going on that I would probably avoid Matt Latos as well. I would go ahead and put... Cole Calhoun on the list of targets too for the outfield. I mean, getting the lefty righty matchup against Latos, even if you're not going to stack, but the Angels get that park boost. I really like trying to pick on Matt Latos if you can. Irvin Santana matches up against Willie Peralta using the price hack tip I mentioned earlier. If that holds up, it's Irvin Santana at 6,900, home against the Brewers. Willie Peralta on the road against the Twins at an even 5,000. We'll see if those are the actual numbers come Tuesday any reason to go after those struggling offense with those two pitchers I think maybe with Irvin Santana you at least have the uh, strikeout upside there so that's and the fact that you're facing Willie Peralta who's had struggles through each of his three games so far he's been roughed up in every game thus far it gives you a little bit of an upside with Irvin Santana there um so and and the fact that uh I mean the Brewers are a team that has relied somewhat on the home run ball and they are a team that can go out on a on a daily basis and get shut out they've been shut out a couple times already this season and I I feel like if there's a team to target there you're you're not going to go with Willie Peralta there just because I just don't I don't trust him whatsoever anymore I've seen him for two years as a Brewers fan and I haven't really seen anything that excites me as much anymore as he as he did a few seasons ago is um so if I'm going to go with any of those either of those pitchers there I think I'm Irvin Santana is the one I'm going to trust a little bit more than uh Willie yeah it makes sense you talk about our right hand of the Brewers really haven't seen Irvin Santana all that much the last couple of years with that I think they have had a tendency to struggle against unfamiliar righties in recent years so you could probably pick on that Milwaukee offense a little bit now we mentioned Joe Kelly as a guy that neither one of us likes I think it stands to reason that getting at least a couple of raise hitters in there could be a viable option as a stack or a mini stack. Any other teams that you want to load up with tomorrow against some of these bottom end pitchers? Yeah, like you mentioned, Geyer and Longoria are a couple of guys that I like from that uh, the middle of that raise order. Neither of them are supremely highly priced, and they're probably gets a decent, uh, like I said, decent matchup there against Joe Kelly. And the other one is against Willie Peralta. Unfortunately, the Twins. 
they ha- I've, they've had a recent turnaround. They started the season 0 for 0 and 9, I believe, and now they've they swept the Angels over the weekend. And uh, that middle of the order, obviously, Maurer is a good contact guy. Generally, a little cheaper at first base, so he's not like super expensive. But he, he's a guy that can get on base a few times, get you some points at a cheaper rate. Um, then you got Sano. He hasn't been spectacular from an average standpoint getting on, but he does have a lot of power. So. Uh, Willie Peralta, I believe, has given up four home runs in his first three starts so far. So it, it, the home run ball is definitely an issue there, and he's a guy that can get taken advantage of. And then uh, Eduardo Nunez has been hot at the top of that order. So, uh, And then you also add in Trevor Plouffe after those three, uh, after Sano and Maurer. So those those three have been hitting pretty well, and then Eduardo Sano has been hot at the top of that order. So you look at the Twins there, it seems like that's a decent uh, lineup to target. Yeah, maybe you could mix in Brian Dozier in there, too, depending on price, if you're not going to be able to afford Jose Altuve, who we talked about a little bit earlier. But I'm generally on the side right now. I don't trust Willie Peralta. He's got a two-step this week for people in season-long leagues, and I think it could be a really painful uh, two-step, even though the matchups look very favorable on the surface. Thank you for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember that first-time FanDuel users that make a deposit of $25 or more via Rotowire can get six months of complimentary access. Check out rotowire.com on your own. Just go to rotowire.com slash pod, P-O-D. That's rotowire.com slash pod. For Chris Benzine, I'm Derek Van Riper. The Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast will return tomorrow with myself and the plaid prince, John McKechnie. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com